everybody. Ben Fredrickson here for another episode of the Eye on the Tigers podcast with my Post-Dispatch colleague, Dave Matter. Another eventful week for Missouri Athletics Day. We've got some football to discuss. Missouri um, gets back on track after a COVID pause with a 17-10 win at South Carolina. Some football chaos with uh, what was supposed to be a game against Arkansas on Saturday switched to be a game against Vanderbilt, which was postponed earlier in the season, and some college basketball talk with the the basketball teams getting ready to launch. Conzo Martin's fourth season starts Wednesday, fingers crossed, against Oral Roberts. So we'll get into all of that here in this episode of I'm the Tigers podcast. First of all, Dave, uh, how was your uh, how was your trip to South Carolina and uh, was were you able to get in and out safely? Yeah, it was quick. I, f- I flew in Saturday into Charlotte and then made the little drive south to uh, Columbia. It was so surreal. I mean, I think I've been there, been there about eight times, including football and basketball. But when just for football, I think this was my fifth game at uh, Williams Bryce, and it's it's such a unique atmosphere because it's not really on campus. It's in the middle of these big fairgrounds, and those fairgrounds are usually just filled with tailgaters, and yeah. it's a pretty good scene, you know, around there. And it was desolate because there's no tailgating. And it was, it was really strange. If, if you didn't know otherwise, you wouldn't think there was a game. And uh, it, was, it was crazy. And, it, and even in the stadium, there's a decent atmosphere in the stadium. And they, I think they had 13,000. And they stuck around just because the game got close. And uh, there's probably nothing else to do. But, man, it was, it was just a weird, weird atmosphere. Um, for a town that's usually, you know, one of the more underrated places in the SEC just for atmosphere, game day atmosphere, I think. One of my favorite places to go in the conference to eat. Great food in Columbia, yeah. South Carolina. The first time, the first place I ever had shrimp and grits. And, and that experience is now diminished because of the circumstances as well. David, it, it, it turned into a more interesting game than, than we thought it could be. I mean, at halftime, you're covering a game that's Missouri's up, uh, you know, 17 nothing and, and they're in cruise control. We, we thought Missouri would be a more motivated team entering this one because they, you know, have plenty to play for still and, and have good vibes compared to a South Carolina team that had fired Will Muschamp and had some key players on the defensive side of the ball opt out to prepare for the NFL draft. But credit to South Carolina for making it more of a game in the second half. Missouri holds on for a 17 to 10 win. Um, Devin Nicholson comes up with the very key interception to kind of seal the game there late um this is one of those games you and i've talked about day where it's it's tough to analyze it much more beyond hey you hadn't played in two weeks find a way to get the win and then get the heck out of dodge but i I do think there is something to talk about here in in missouri being able to find a way to win some of these close games that they had struggled to win in the past that seems to be a step in the right direction especially considering a missouri hadn't played in two weeks b ryan walters the defensive coordinator was not there to coach the defense was played extremely well and uh plus all of the guys missing due to injuries and, and COVID. Yeah, all those guys missing. And then two or three, four, whatever point we're on, Connor Bays, like didn't play very well. You know, he, he was fine the first half until the interception. Second half, they couldn't get anything going. All they did was punt on every possession before the kneel down. For you to go on the road in the SEC, I don't care what the circumstances are for the other team, to cover the spread as a favorite, without your defensive coordinator, without all those players, and with your quarterback not playing very well, it was statistically his second worst game of the year. Now, he hasn't played that much, but still, he'd set the bar pretty high. And to still win and cover, I think, is a, a, a testament to 
Drinkwitz, to the staff, to this team. And you win that game by one, you still feel pretty good, just considering all the circumstances. But the, the way they won, I thought was impressive. It needed the defense to play well and to step up in the second half. They got a little jostled around when South Carolina changed quarterbacks to a more mobile guy. That gave them a spark. It kind of got that crowd into it a little bit. Um, but I, I thought it was a really gritty, impressive finish by Missouri. I mean, when you're – it's hard to win on the road when your quarterback doesn't play great and when, you're, when your offense struggles like it did in the second half. And to be able to do that and still win says a lot about this team and, and how, you know, Drinkwitz is an offensive guy. Offense wasn't working in the second half. But I, he still held this team together. And uh, David Gibbs gets a lot of credit. Cornerbacks coach took over as coordinator. Um, he just seemed to push the right buttons. And, and nobody got rattled when that quarterback came in, was scrambling around a little bit. Uh, it just uh, it looked like a, a poised team to be able to win on the road like that. We were I was crunching some numbers earlier um, earlier this week, in part because I thought Missouri was going to play Arkansas next. And I was yeah. kind of, you know, Barry Odom was going to be a big conversation piece. Now that gets – it's delayed. So we'll probably revisit some of this, but I will say this, Missouri's now two and O in games that are decided by a touchdown or less, seven points or, or fewer. Um, the, for the other game was of course the, the win against LSU. And that's not much to, to go off of. That's a pretty small sample size, but factoring in what Drinkwitz did last season with, with Appy state, his teams are now five and one in yeah. games decided by seven points or fewer, which is, that's not nothing. Um, and you compare it to kind of what, what happened with Barry Odom, where it felt like, you know, Barry Odom was always close. Um, it took him a long time to, to wait long time, all things considered to win that first game against a ranked opponent um, against, uh, you know, that game at Florida that was in year three. Drinkwitz does that in year one. So he gets that signature win. But the other thing is he's winning close games so far. Odom was four and nine in games decided by seven points or fewer. And it just seemed like every time there was a tight game, all the little things added up against Missouri. With Drinkwitz, at least in a small sample size, it seems to be moving in the different direction. Um, they don't have as many costly penalties. They don't have as many self-inflicted wounds. Um, they made a big mistake at Florida by getting in that silly fight at halftime. Right. But other than that, they, they really seem to play cleaner, more fundamentally sound football and giving themselves a better chance to win close games. Yeah, I agree. And I, I thought that was evident on Missouri's second to last drive before the kneel down, they crossed midfield and I think they got one first down and then you saw the tempo all of a sudden change completely. And that was something that Odom's teams and it's, it's on the offensive coordinator. Josh Heupel would never do this, but also it's on the head coach because he has total control, but they, they just stood there and basically like watched the clock go down and they just, they just milked the clock as much as they possibly could which um, probably won the game for him in some ways because South Carolina took over with a little bit more than a minute to go or maybe a little more two minutes with one timeout left. He, he, they they um, were smart with the clock for sure. And then he made a really tough call. They were around the 45 or so, fourth down. And I said some more aggressive coaches and even Drinkwitz in a different circumstances would have gone for it. But he called his punter out. And what did Grant McInnes do? He had a beautiful punt and dropped it on the one yard line and they gave the ball to South Carolina and said, okay, go ahead, win the game, but you got to go 99 yards with one timeout. So uh, just really good game management. I thought it, it, and we've seen a couple times, was it the Kentucky game where there was a few plays where even Drinkwood said afterwards, yeah, I messed up the clock there and I 
I, uh, that wasn't great. Um, so he, he recognizes things pretty quickly when, when he understands that he may, may have made a mistake, but I thought they handled it fairly flawlessly there at the end at, at South Carolina. Sharp and just kind of, uh, yeah, not panicking, I think is yeah. the, is the phrase I would use. Here's, here's the thing. You got to give folks kind of an explanation as to what it was like for you to go from covering what you thought was a game uh, against Arkansas on Saturday to uh, being ready to cover Mizzou Vanderbilt. Same time, 11 a.m. kickoff. But Mizzou goes from playing what it thought was going to be one of its most interesting games this season, you know, to uh, two really interesting new hires and Sam Pittman and Eli Drinkwitz are playing easily the worst team in the SEC, perhaps one of the worst Power Five programs at the moment Vanderbilt this was a this is a rescheduling of a postponement that was supposed to happen a game that was supposed to happen October 17th Vanderbilt is now 0 and 7 um, they have not really had they've had a couple relatively close games against Kentucky and Mississippi State they just got drilled by Florida 38 to 17 a couple really bad losses including one 41 to 7 um, against South Carolina yeah. back on October 10th there aren't many must win games in this crazy 2020 considering COVID and, and you don't know who's going to play. You don't know if the game's going to happen. It's all kind of up in the air, but this is absolutely a must win game because Vanderbilt is not very good. So we're going to break them down in a second, what there is to break down. But first of all, to walk, walk folks through this who have not maybe been following this in granular detail like you have, how can this happen? What has the SEC done to allow this kind of rescheduling to happen and, and, and why is this uh, change taking place all of a sudden Saturday? Yeah, there were, some folks were, were shocked when this happened, and they, they must have missed what the league decided a couple weeks ago. So I, I think everyone in the league was probably on pins and needles on Monday because Monday was the first official day where this could happen. I think it was 11 days ago the SEC decided that – and they instituted this policy, which I thought was pretty smart. It's starting after the games on November 21st, so this starting this week – every game could be shuffled and it wasn't even a matter of if it was because COVID affected your game or, or your team necessarily, if it was for the betterment of the league to move a game, the league is going to do it and they have to do it by Monday, I think at 8 PM. So sure enough, this on Monday, this week, um, Arkansas's numbers weren't good. They weren't going to be able to play Saturday. So um, instead of just, completely postponing it and giving Missouri another buy because that it would have been Missouri's I think fifth week off in six weeks that's just not that's not college football as long as Missouri's numbers are okay which they're going to be this week as of today that's not healthy there's no reason for that go out and find somebody that Missouri still has to play and, and make that game this week it's not ideal for Vanderbilt Vanderbilt's supposed to host a home game instead now they got to go to a road game it's not ideal for anybody in a perfect world because your game plan was already you know in the process of, of happening as of Monday, but the t the league told everybody, Hey, this could happen. This is our fail safe. This is what we do when things go awry so that we can get as many games in as we can. It's all about this TV inventory. We all know that they may not come out and say that, but they need to make the money for all these games on TV. And everybody wants to play. If you can play um, Arkansas can't right now. So I think what people need to also realize is, yeah, on the schedule, it says they're playing Mississippi State next week. That may not happen. That could instead be <laughs> Georgia at home. That could be Arkansas at home. So there's three games left for Missouri to play. There's three Saturdays left. They could go in any order. You know, I was talking to folks at Missouri 
on Monday. They don't know. It's just a guess at this point. It's all a jigsaw puzzle to see how the league can get in as many games. The, 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 key, the key team in all of this, it's kind of LSU because Florida still has to play LSU. Alabama still has to play LSU. Those, te- those games can't happen on December 19th, though, because that's when Florida and Alabama are going to play for the championship. So you right. get, if you're going to play those games, you got to get them in on either the 5th or the 12th, and then everything can kind of come together around that. So Missouri and Mississippi State next Saturday could be in completely good shape as far as COVID goes, but still may not play because they have to move things around. So everybody has to be nimble. Um, you know, if, if you think you're having a home game and said you got to go on the road, tough. That's kind of life in 2020 when you're trying to play in a pandemic. When um, I, I saw some things yesterday that Mark Stoops is still mad that Missouri got two extra days to play to prepare for Kentucky. Well, sorry. I mean, that's, that's the reality of this, of this year. And yeah, that's uh, a, that was a 10 point loss. Uh, I don't think those two days are the reasons your, your team lost that game. Um, That, that, that's, that's getting Mark Stoops. Who I like a lot of things. He's a really good coach, dangerously close to the, to the Dabo needing his diaper changed baby tantrums going on at Clemson. I mean, come read the room, man. Nobody wants to hear you guys complain about how hard this is on your schedule. Get over it. Either yeah. don't play or understand that it's that it's going to be chaos. This this whining about how you know well they had two more days to prepare. Oh, save it. Go win a game and, right. and put, put the guys you have available on the on the field. That's my thing about kind of why I thought Missouri should really finish with a flourish here. They're missing guys with injuries. They don't know what's going on with COVID. They don't know if their coordinator will be there or not. But every team across from them is going to have just as many issues. Right. Guys with injuries. Guys held out. Guys with with who didn't think this game was going to, I mean, it's just, no one is suffering in terms of, of unexpected circumstances more than anyone else. It's all, it's all a crapshoot. So some of these coaches who are, who are whining or they need to, they need to read the room a little bit. Um, yeah, Abba more sure. than anybody. Good grief. Um, you mentioned that the schedule being in pencil. Um, that's really a good segue into college basketball here. Yeah. Um, Dave, um, Missouri is hoping to start its season. Um, against Oral Roberts on Wednesday. The Tigers are, like every other college team in the country, kind of hoping this happens. We've seen games postponed or canceled up to the day of. Right now we we saw Arizona State get on a plane and go to a game where it didn't know who it was playing once it got there. Um, we saw Wichita State, who Missouri is supposed to play in early December, um, pause its uh, basketball activities after it reported to show up to – it went up to one of these events – Right. Got tested when it got there, and all of a sudden was told that it had a positive and and could not play. So it's this is going to be madness. Um, and the, you, you write it in pencil and don't be surprised or frustrated with with things change. And if it gets to the point where it does more damage than good, then don't I wouldn't be all that surprised if college basketball tries to push things back. I know it doesn't want to play its tournament in May, and it's crazy to hear Rick Pitino be the voice of reason here. Because yeah. um, all things considered, but if they have so much turbulence, then I don't know what their other option will be. But they're going to try, and Missouri's going to try to play Wednesday against Oral Roberts. Dave, you're going to have a chance to catch up with with Conzo later in the week. I talked to him a little bit this past week just about this team, and he's kind of in an interesting place. And, and you guys have heard this from him this offseason too. It's like, on one hand, he loves this team and he, and he thinks that they're not getting maybe the love they deserve because they're built on experience and everybody getting a little bit better. But on the other hand, he's also not going to ignore the fact that this season's going to be it's to some degree a nightmare 
Yeah. And he's kind of trying to balance both things. But in a basketball sense, it, he does like this team, I think, more than outsiders do. Um, and, and he thinks that they're maybe going to be able to defy expectations a little bit. What's your kind of read on this team as we prepare to see it for the first time against Oral Roberts on Wednesday? Yeah, and I, I wrote this today, and, and you, you touched on it in your column the other day, too. Their experience has to be their strength. I mean, and not just on the court, off the court. Everybody's dealing with COVID. They're dealing with the temptations. They're dealing with the risks. Having 22 and 23-year-old guys should give them an advantage over having 18 and 19-year-old guys, you, you would think. Um, guys that have a little bit more at stake that they realize um, in their future, their families, their, their, their feet are on the ground a little bit firmer than a freshman. I mean, I put it this way. I would feel better about senior Jeremiah Tillman playing in a pandemic than freshman Jeremiah Tillman. And I think <laughs> Jeremiah Tillman will be the first one to tell you that. And he's, he's, he's seen things this summer. He lost his grandmother to COVID um, maybe some other family members too. And he's not alone on this team. That's, that's gone through, um, you know, some tough times this off season because of this virus. So, yeah, I, I think it, I think the experience factor, you can't ignore it. And the interesting thing about this team, and I've written a lot about it. We're going to, we're going to see it play out. They went out and got older by adding Drew Bugs, and he's he's a guy that Conzo really hopes can unlock the two things that have held this team back two years, especially last year: turnovers and three-point shooting. Well, he's a point guard; he's a pass-first point guard. Broke Hawaii's assist record in two and a half years, so he he likes to pass the ball. He's not a great three-point shooter, but the thought is that he will turn average three-point shooters into good three-point shooters by getting them the ball, by them not being as consumed with being playmakers. And mainly that's Drew Smith and Xavier Pinson. And, and then the hope is that just a healthy Mark Smith, he shot 45% as a sophomore. Unbelievable. That's, that was among the best in the country. Last year, down to 37, which is still really good, but, but not where he was. Uh, if you can get him making some threes, get Parker Brown making some threes, maybe off the bench. Um, you know, Mitchell Smith and Javon Pickett can hit one every once in a while. Jeremiah Tillman can hit some threes. I don't know if they're going to let him very often. I wouldn't plan on that, maybe. <laughs> um, Kobe Brown can shoot. Yeah. But these guys can't be in the 20s. You know, they've got to be in the high 30s. Some in the so, 40s would be nice. Uh, if they can do that, they can compete. Because you you can count on a Conzo team playing good to above average defense. They've got to unlock their offense, though. It's the good news is well the well, the bad news is they were one of the worst three point shooting teams you could find last season for a team that took as many threes as they take worst in team history yeah the good news is it would be very hard for them to be as bad again <laughs> yeah. this year so maybe factor that into your into your projections a little bit man speaking of a guy who could help them if he could hit, come off the bench and hit some threes how about how about Torrance Watson yeah. and that was his repertoire when he was in high school it just and he makes them in practice he just hasn't made them in games to me the big question here about this lineup and, and all these guys are going to play, but who, who gets more time here? Who gets, who gets more starts? Is it going to be drew bugs or do you think it'll be Mark Smith? Um, it probably depends on how they play and how the team yeah. plays with both of those guys in the game at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. I know early this summer, Conzo, Conzo was dead set on starring the three point guards together, bugs, drew Smith and Pinson and move Pinson off the ball more. So he's not as, you know, thinking as much about having to be a point guard. And then you can let those guys, those guys all drive and kick and, you know, be open for threes if they, if they, if that's the plan. Um, but I, I think you can easily take 
one of them off the starting lineup and probably bugs and put in Mark Smith and Mark is versatile enough. He could play different spots. Um, so you have options there. I think, I think the, the, the core of the starting lineup, Kobe Brown is your four and he's a versatile four. He's not a traditional power forward. He's more of a three. Yeah. I've talked before about him being a ball handler. Like he thinks he could be a point guard in the future. Um, and Jeremiah is your five. And then, you know, Drew and X, you can move them around between the, the one and the two or the three um, in more of a three guard, four guard lineup. Um, but yeah, I, you, you've got some options there. And then off the bench, you know, Pickett is going to play some minutes. I don't, maybe not as heavy minutes as he has in the past, but he'll give you what he gives you. Um, they really do like Parker to see what he can do. He's versatile enough to be, he's versatile enough was, to be. I was impressed with how he played last season. Yeah. He can be Tillman's backup at the five. Right. He can also play the three and shoot threes. So he's really versatile. I don't know how Ed Chang fits in. He's the, the junior college transfer who was at San Diego State for a year. Um, Jordan Wilmore's the, the big 7-3 freshman. Maybe a few minutes is, is Tillman's backup. Um, Conzo doesn't always play freshman, especially early in the year. you got to kind of earn that. So we'll see what happens there. And then Watson's the other guy you mentioned that kind of got lost in the shuffle last year when he couldn't find his shot. So can he kind of rediscover it and get, get find a role again? Um, they would, they'd, they'd take it if he can hit some threes for sure. As always, a big question for the Tigers will be if uh, if Jeremiah Tillman can stay on the court. There's such a yeah. better team when he's not able to – it's not even just scoring. It's it's or blocking shots. It's just defensive presence. And 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 you, the reports out of practice are that he is really looking – looking good they're on the pick yeah. and roll with them um he's he's they're able to get out and run more when he's when he's in the game you know he can get up and down the court so it's one of those things we're just gonna have to see it to believe it can he stay out of foul trouble they think he'll be better this year but no one really knows until until the games begin i, I did think that he maybe should have sent like a holiday card to all of the sec officials try to get on their good side a little bit um, but you're right about him being older i mean I certainly made better decisions at 23 than I did at 21. I wasn't always making all great decisions at 23, but they were a lot better on average than the all relative. I was doing yeah. when I was 21. I think most people can probably say the same. So um, you'll have the coverage of the game on Wednesday. You'll have the coverage of Vanderbilt game on, on Saturday. It's that, it's that interesting crossover time for college sports and football and basketball. And it probably will never be more interesting than it uh, than it is right now this season, Dave. I hope you're, we're doing more than just simply updating people on schedule changes and uh, and have some games to discuss. But keep up the good work, and we'll uh, we'll catch up with you here next week. Okay, sounds good. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, or just a reminder for everybody: if they're checking out the podcast for the first time, you can find us on stltoday.com/podcast, or even easier, go to wherever you download your podcast, search for Eye on the Tigers. You can find us there. And as Dave said, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Thanks for going along this podcast ride with us. And we will talk to you next week. 